for the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides, who directs, who gives wisdom, counsel, and comfort, that you are a spirit of truth, that the word of truth goes forth and changes hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, this week, beloved, <clears throat> the Lord spoke to me, and, well, you know, not an audible voice. I just, you know, ask him what he wants me to do, and then I try to follow, best I know how, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, this week, um, the Lord reminded me that in times of change and in times of shifting, we're in a time of change and shifting, that in those, in order to stay grounded and in order to maintain our peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. In order to maintain our peace and not give in, not give in to a spirit of fear, not give in to a spirit of turmoil, not give in to a spirit of confusion. In order to do that, it is very good, very good indeed to remind ourselves of how Jesus thought, of how Jesus acted, and to let ourselves be guided by that light, by the light of Jesus. And it's important to go back to the basics and some fundamentals in the Word. So I think over these next weeks, you know, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to some of the basics of Christian character. Well, really, I shouldn't even say Christian character because it's the character that God wants us to have. But as we become Christians, you know, that... Of course, we have his spirit dwelling in us when we're born again, right? We receive the very character of God into our spirits, but then we have to walk it out. So I believe that this is going to help us stay grounded. It's going to help us <laughs> stay grounded and direct us and balance us. So the Lord asked me to teach on the Beatitudes, <laughs> you know, from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I thought, wow, that's the greatest sermon in all of history. In all of history. So, Lord, you're going to really have to help me preach on that. That's from the very mouth of Jesus. <laughs> so please help me do it well, and please help me honor you in edifying the beloved. Um, and I think, you know, in our society, people become very conflicted because we hear so much about the fact that I am blessed, God blesses me, you know, I walk in the blessing, and that's true. That's true. But the truth of the matter is, if we were never blessed, just the salvation experience alone, just being able to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if there were no other blessing that ever came, that would be enough. But God has so much more intended for us. So see, we don't stop there. That's just the new beginning. That's just the new creation. And so it is true that it is God's heart to bless us. He has blessing in store for his children. He wants you to live an ascended life. He wants you to live in the fullness of Christ. His heart is to bless us. And the gospel, the gospel, the good news, is about our inheritance in Christ. Our inheritance, we, we understand that we are co-heirs with Jesus. That he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and we are co-heirs with him to every spiritual blessing. And we have to know that. We have to know that. 
I believe the people at River City Church know that. But the thing is, we have, we have to know it. The reason we have to know it is because we have to know so that the devil cannot steal from us in our thought life. See, that's the only place he can reach you. It's your thought life. Okay, so we have to know that so that he cannot steal away in our thoughts. We renew our mind. He cannot steal away from us in our thoughts what belongs to us, what our inheritance is. And people, I think people, um, you know, there are times in your life when you just have to stand for the blessing. You have to stand. It's, it's a God-given, but you have to stand for it and be smart and not let the devil steal, all right? Um, we, sometimes we have to be patient. Sometimes we have to be patient. And we know that we know that we know that we know that we serve a good God who honors his word. But I think that people become be conflicted as believers because we're so much about walking in the blessing, especially spirit-filled Christians. We're so much about walking in the blessing, and we want to live the ascended life, and that's how it should be. But we have to remember, and we have to go back and realize and understand and, and receive revelation all the time about the fact that our new nature, that born-again, renewed spirit created in the image of God, only, 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 only comes about when we submit to Christ, as we depend on Christ, as we submit to his lordship, as we submit to his sovereignty. People don't like that word submission. People don't like the word obedience. We live in a free culture where everyone thinks they can just do what they want and still get the blessing. It's not so. Otherwise, you'd have no need for Christ to begin with. Right? So we have to submit to his sovereignty. Then we have to walk it out. So we, get, we receive the new spirit, a new recreated spirit when we're born again. But then it's our responsibility to grow, to develop to walk out according to his word. So we forget sometimes, or maybe we don't think about it, that we have to do things his way. We have to do things his way. Period. Whether you like it or not. doesn't matter what you like sometimes in life. You know, honestly. So we have to do it his, we have to do it his way. We have to understand his thoughts. We have to, in order to walk his path, we have to understand his ways and not our own carnal ways. And we have to be willing to submit to his way of doing things. His way of laying hold of the blessing. See, in our minds, there's a, there's a way that a man thinks. There's a way that a person thinks. And unfortunately, we're so indoctrinated by social norms, emotions, you know, this is the way the world does it. And if we're not careful, that's what we adopt, and we do that, and then the blessing isn't there, and then we blame God. No, that's your fault. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to edify, because when we do it his way, it works. No ifs, ands, or buts. When we do it his way, it works. When we do it his way, we can't stop the blessing. So anyway, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are better than our ways. And we might as well get that 
into our heads and into our spirits. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. See, that's what we got to get straight. That's when we want to do it one way. We want to seek the pleasure or we want to, you know, go after the dollar and we want to do it this way because that's the way the world says to do it. And sometimes God has a, a lot of times, most of the time, he has a whole different way of doing it. And that's what we need to follow. His thoughts are divine. His thoughts are supernatural. His thoughts are more than enough. His thoughts are above all. He is above all. His thoughts are always peace. His thoughts are always light. His thoughts are always wisdom. So I want to tap into that. I want to tap into that. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So since that's the case, and there is a divergence between the two, I want to go God's way. I want to do it God's way. If we don't follow after him in walking out the road to blessing, we shouldn't expect his results. That's stupidity. And see, here's the deal. Our carnal mind, our carnal mind will always encourage us to be selfish. Our carnal mind will always encourage us to be self-centered. Our carnal mind will always encourage us to be self-seeking. Self-seeking. Christ was not a self-seeker. You know, we, we, it, it'll encourage us to be self-seeking and pleasure-driven. Yes, God does give us all things to enjoy. He wants, our, he wants us to walk satisfied. But that's different than being pleasure-driven. When we walk, when a person walks, nobody here at RCC, but when a person walks pleasure-driven, that will turn into rebellion. Unchecked. That's, that turns into rebellion. And you will slam the door to God's blessing in your life. So, you see, Jesus' life, it was not a de demonstration of self at all, ever. Not for one second. Not for one second was he self-driven. He wasn't self-seeking. He wasn't me, me, me. He wasn't my blessing. It's all about me. No way. His life, his life was a life of sacrifice, and compassion and giving. Sacrifice, compassion, and giving. He was a perfect, really truthfully, if you look at the life of Jesus, he was the perfect, perfect, perfect combination of giving and not being taken. He, he, he was give, 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 but he wouldn't be walked upon. Right? He was self-sacrificing, but he was strong at the same time. He knew how to stand his ground because he was the word. He knew how to stand his ground on the word. He gave, he gave, he gave, he gave to lift us up. To lift us up so that we could live in the glory of God. He was wise and aware. He knew his enemy. 
He knew his enemy, and he always, but yet, 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 he always traveled the road of love. Always. Always traveled the road of love. Because that's a definition of who he is. So anyway, today we're going to start this journey that I believe that the Lord has asked us to embark upon. We're going to start this journey on studying the Beatitudes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I call, I call it the road of God's blessings. Because truthfully, if we walked in these Beatitudes, we would be ultimate demonstrations of the life of Christ. People couldn't resist but come to him if we walked in these. So we're going to study these and we're going to walk in these and we're going to bring glory to God as we do it. So Matthew 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, <laughs> He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, it is God's heart for us to be blessed. And he's given us a perfect roadmap. Perfect. Divine. Supernatural. The wisdom of God. God in our midst, saints. Look at what he has for us. Look at what he has for us. You see, that's what I want to his glory. That's what I want. I want to do it his way, and I know that I receive his blessing. So today, we're actually just going to look at one verse. We're going to look at verse 3. <laughs> if I can get through this, sorry. He's just so good. You know, he's just so good. He has, a, he has a heart that is so full for us. So verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
So let, let's just think about what God's saying here. Jesus is telling us here that if I have a poor spirit, I will be blessed with the kingdom of heaven. I receive the kingdom of heaven here and now, not some other time. He says there is, there's is the kingdom of heaven when we are poor in spirit. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 10. Okay? So he's telling us if we are poor in spirit, that I get to receive the kingdom of heaven. I get to walk in that in the here and now. Wow. There's nothing missing there. There's nothing broken there. So, you know, when we hear this, I'm not, I'm not going to pass this up. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to think about what that means. So, as born-again believers, as spirit-filled believers, when we hear poor in spirit, I think our brains go tilt because we're so blessing-minded. You know, I'm blessed beyond measure. That's true. That's true. That's true. But I think when we first hear this, poor in spirit, you know, our brains go tilt because we know that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we no longer have a poor spirit in the way in which the world thinks about that, right? It couldn't be. That would not be, if, 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 if that meant the way the world thinks about that word, poor, it couldn't be because it would conflict so many, it would conflict with so many scriptures. So we need to reconcile the scriptures. We need to understand what that really means because you know, we receive Jesus. We have a recreated spirit. We, that's not a poor spirit. We've received a recreated spirit. How can we reconcile those two thoughts? So our newly created spirit only comes about, only, only, when we submit to Christ. When we submit to Christ. When we accept his ways and his thoughts. When we become completely dependent on him. We receive the reborn spirit. We receive the character of God. The old things are passed away and the new has come. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So we need to understand what the word poor means there. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. It does not mean poverty stricken. It does not mean lacking. It does not mean being without. It does not mean not being regenerated. It does not mean poor or lacking in any way. It couldn't. It couldn't. When we receive every spiritual blessing in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, Ephesians 1.3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So when we're spiritually blessed, we can't be spiritually poor. It's the way the 
carnal world thinks about that. So we need to understand what poor is. So what does poor mean? Well, if you go back to the Greek, it means humble. It means humble or contrite. Humble or contrite. So what does humble mean? I made a PowerPoint. (laughs) Miracles, miracles. Humble. It means submissive. There's that word again. Huh, I think the Lord's trying to tell us something. (laughs) Submissive. It means opposed to the proud. Opposed to the haughty. Opposed to the arrogant or the assuming. It means to be opposed to those things in our lives. Okay? That doesn't mean when you're submissive, that doesn't mean you're a doormat, because it's submission to Christ. Submission to Christ. So, my definition, I was really, you know, thinking about this. So, my definition of humble means having a deep sense of the worthiness of God as opposed to the worthiness of self. Having a deep sense of the worthiness of God. Can we just stop and think about that, saints? God, you are so worthy. You are so worthy. You see, I was a sinner. I was in a in a in and out in the world. You are so worthy. You came. He sent your only your first begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be murdered, to be tormented beyond all belief, to be totally disfigured, to take on every sin that the world could ever experience. Yet you were without sin. And then you look at me and you did that for me. You did that for me when you knew that I wasn't worthy. You know, there is a, you could never do enough work, saints, to be worthy. But he gives us a gift. He makes us worthy. He makes us the righteousness of God in Christ. What a good God. What a loving Father. There is no one worthy beside you, and yet you gave that to me in all my imperfection. In all my imperfection, you gave that to me. What a precious gift. So my definition is having a deep sense of the worthiness of God as opposed to the worthiness of self, and then we allow that appreciation we allow that gift that love gift to move us to move us and to affect our choices in life you know when we have a deep sense of his worthiness and that he has gifted us with that it makes me want to walk differently it makes me want to walk differently 
It makes me want to just do whatever's going to please him. You know, we all slip up sometimes. But it just makes me want to just do what's going to please our Lord, our Father, our Father. So anyway, when we, when we understand this concept, it would require us to have a deep sense of understanding the price that Christ really paid for each and every one of us, whether we love him now or not. In our sin state, he paid a deep price so that we could come into redemption and reconciliation with him and receive the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. It helps, we need to understand, this helps us to understand that he paid a price to cleanse our souls so that we could stand as the righteousness of God in Christ. Holy, blameless, that's what he, he's gifted that with every, to every believer. Holy and blameless before him. In our own right, we can't say that we're holy and blameless. But in Christ, he sees us through the blood. God sees us through the blood. He makes us holy and blameless. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's an understanding of our broken state, our sin state, prior, prior to receiving Christ, to coming to Christ, that in and of ourselves we were nothing, we never could be, never would be, never were. And yet, by the blood shed, he brings us into communion and union. You know, light doesn't have anything to do with darkness. And so he brings us into the light and the love of his fellowship with him. Communion, unity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So this, this pouring spirit would mean that we would come to an understanding of our new state. We come to an understanding of our new state and the gift that was given to us only because of Christ, only because of his heart of love for us, only because of his sacrifice. So this, this new privilege, this is a new privilege. We can stand before God. We can stand before God blameless made new, created in his, recreated in his image. Hallelujah. Because of the suffering of Christ. So we walk in Christ. Not one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. We walk in Christ. We walk in Christ. Colossians 1, 21-22. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, but now, thank you, Jesus, but now, when you're born again, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you. Wow. To present you holy in his sight. Oh my gosh, what a blessing. Doesn't that, when, when you see the gift that he's given you, doesn't that make you want to do things his way? Doesn't that make you want to please him no matter what? what? Whatever you might think the sacrifice is here on earth that you're having to give up, it's nothing. It's, it's like filthy rags. It's like 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, look what he's given us. Present you. You have been presented holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. He's not even going to let the devil accuse you before him. Do you get that? The devil is your accuser. He hates your soul. In Christ, the Father is not even going to let the devil accuse you. It's under the blood. When you repent, when you come to him, it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. But this is his gift. This is who you are. Holy in his sight, without blameless, free from accusation. Being poor in spirit means we understand this gift. I can't do anything in and of myself. It's him. It's all him. I don't want to waste that. On living a double life. I don't want to waste that. I'm not going to waste that. I'm not going to be tempted by the things of this world and say, huh, that looks really good right now. How can we waste this? I'm going to recognize. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to let it direct my actions. I'm going to maintain humbleness of spirit. I'm not going to live one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. I'm in hook, line, and sinker. Regardless of the sacrifice that I think it makes on this world, because any sacrifice that you make in this world in the carnal is nothing compared to what Christ did for you and me. It's nothing. It just brings misery when we don't do it his way anyway. You see, he only has good for us. He only has blessing for us. But he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to get caught in the foils of sin. So what does it mean to be, see, we need to be submissive to his divine will. Because his will, when we, when we commit our way to him, his will, I believe, his will becomes our, our will. It becomes our will. 1 Peter 5.1, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. You see, we don't have to exalt ourselves. We don't have to exalt ourselves in pride. We don't have to exalt ourselves in, in arrogance. We don't have to, you know, disobedience. Disobedience to the word is an exaltation of self. You think you, think you know better. That's all disobedience is. You think you have a better way. Well, you don't. You don't. 
James 4, 6. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Thank you, Lord. You see, we can't be arrogant in our own selves, in our own works, thinking that it's all about me, we did it. We have to realize, like Isaiah 26, 12 says, Isaiah 26, 12 says, all that we have accomplished, you, Lord, have done for us. All that we have accomplished, you, Lord, have done for us. Isaiah 66, 2. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Wow, I want to do that. I want to be humble. I want to be contrite. I want to tremble at his word. His word is supreme in our lives. Your word is first place in my life, Lord. I will do your word no matter what, no matter what it takes. When it disagrees with what I want to do, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose your word. I'm going to say, you know what? I don't know it all. You do. And, that, that, you know, that's the, that's the pleasure of living in the love of God. We don't have to know it all. We can just, like, follow him. Because he loves us so much. There's no one here on earth that loves you that much. I like to be able to follow. I think it's great. Because then I don't have to look down the road and, and look at every little in and out and the, every little, you know, crossed T and dotted I and figure it out. I just say, okay, what's the word tell me to do here? <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. You know, he, the word says that he counsels us with a loving eye upon us. Whether we go to the left or the right, he says, this is the way, walk in it. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go to contrite. What does contrite mean? Contrite means penitent. It means repentant. Penitent, repentant. Not, this, is, this doesn't mean that you're self-abasing. This doesn't mean that you think you're, you know, a, a crawling worm. This doesn't mean that you think you're a worthless sinner because you take what you've understood about what he's done for you and how he has brought you into communion with him. You, you take that. Contrite or penitent means to have a heart that wants to turn away from that which displeases him. That's what it means. It means to turn one's heart. To turn one's heart. It means to you understand that you're weak in certain areas. You understand that you have limitations in the carnal. You understand your faults. But you look at all of it in the light of Christ and what Christ has won for you and what Christ has given us. You know, and it doesn't mean... Just because you're penitent, or, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to receive the desires of your heart. I, I believe he brings those desires to us when we commit. When we turn to him, he, he, he gives us a clean slate, and we turn those desires over to him where maybe we had been in rebellion before. And we come back, and, and we turn to him, and he gives us a clean slate, and he says, okay, sweetheart, okay, sweetheart, let's do it this way now. See? 
and we, can't, and we do receive the blessings of our hearts, the desires of our hearts. We're not talking here about self-abasement, but truly understanding that without Christ, we are incomplete. Without Christ, we are incomplete. Without doing things his way, we'll never be complete. We will never find joy seeking after the pleasures of the world. Never find joy that way. It's our heart's desire to do that which pleases him and not to sin against him. That's what repentance is. To turn from that which hurts God. To turn away from the world. Care more about him even than ourselves and our selfish desires. He takes care of us better than anyone ever could. He takes care of us better than we can take care of ourselves because his heart is one of love for us. So we're going to go to an example here in Luke 18. And we're going to start in verse 9. Luke 18, verse 9, and it's a parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. To some who were confident (laughs) of their own righteousness, See that? Their own worth. Not understanding. Not having a humble spirit. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now remember, tax collectors were like, Consider the worst of the worst, okay? So people generally thought very poorly of tax collectors. So two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Well, you know what? You're a self-righteous idiot. You're all wrapped up in your works. That's your problem. Your works are not going to get you into heaven. Your tithing is not going to get you into heaven. Your fasting is not going to get you into heaven. Calling upon the the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing that does that. Your good works are not going to earn you a better spot in heaven. And once you you get saved, your bad works aren't going to keep you. It's it's about, aren't going to keep you out. Should have finished that sentence. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. You see, this heart here, this heart, this is not a humble spirit. This is not a poor spirit. This is not a heart desiring to please God whatsoever. This is someone just like going through the motions, and, but he has a heart of pride. He has a heart of arrogance. He has a judgmental spirit, a judgmental spirit. You know, nobody else's sin is worse than our own. Sin is sin. So get the plank out of your eye. Right? This man is full of self-righteousness. Not the righteousness of God in Christ. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have made me righteous in you through the blood of Jesus. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. See, he understood. He understood his lost state without the Lord. He understood that. He understands. He gets it. But he also understands God's mercy, God's forgiveness. He comes and he says, have mercy. That's a repentant heart. That's a humble heart. That's recognizing what the Lord Jesus Christ has done and all that he's chosen to give us. You see, this un heart understands the need for God's mercy, his saving grace, his forgiveness, his redemption. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. See? That's recognizing. That's having the poor spirit. That's having the humble spirit. Recognize what's been done and the gift that that into which that has caused you to ascend. The gift of blessing. You see, we become humble, we become repentant, and we become exalted because that's the kind of God we serve. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, rightly think of ourselves. Rightly think of ourselves in view of what Christ has done. In accordance with the faith of God, which with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So you see, God has made us co-heirs with Christ. We do it his way, you see? We become humble and contrite in spirit. And it says, at that point, it says, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is, theirs is the kingdom of heaven here, here on earth. This is Jesus talking in verse 14. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, rather than the Pharisee, rather than the one who's supposed to know it all, right, went home justified, before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, self is the road to destruction. Is that too strong? Well, it shouldn't be. We shouldn't see that as too strong. Because when we recognize that self is the road to destruction, it makes us aware. It wakes us up. We come back into God's way of doing things, and he exalts us. We humble ourselves. What are you humbling yourself to? The mighty hand of God, which is the hand of love. 
which is the hand of goodness. He has goodness for you. He has plans to help you, not to harm you. Plans for hope and a future. Those are his plans for you. So I want to humble myself under him. And what does it say? What is he giving me when I humble myself under him? When I do things his way, when I understand that his thoughts are greater than my thoughts, and I want to I receive his thoughts, and I want to grow in his character, what do I receive? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Praise you, Father. Humbling ourselves under your hand. I want to humble myself under your hand, under your discipline, under your love, allowing you, allowing you to show me where I'm in error and move me into this ascended life. So that's what I believe the Lord had me share with us today. You know, that the road of God's blessing, we're going to... There are a lot, of, a lot of keys here. And I think as we go back and we focus on these and we develop that character, you know, the Christian life is an intentional life. It is an intentional life. And so I'm hoping that these next weeks we become grounded and we're going to see in the end, yes, that it is God's heart to bless us. And he's showing us perfectly, perfectly how to receive that blessing, his blessing. So anyway, I want to go to Matthew for our offering message. I want to go to Matthew 6.21. 